0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Health It's Personal. We're so glad you're here because this is the first episode of our second season. This wouldn't have been made possible without all of you listening. So first, we'd just like to say a huge thank you. If you're just listening for the first time, welcome. We are truly glad you're here. Our passion is to share authentic stories from experts and guests that relate to some of the challenges we all face in regards to health. And by health, we mean mental health, physical health, nutrition, finances, everything. As it's the first series of the new year, we are tackling the topic of financial health. Throughout this series, you will hear practical wisdom on all different aspects and perspectives of finances and how to have those tough conversations. Today, we spoke with the wonderful Britton Lyser, female financial advisor and founder of Savvy Her, a company she designed to empower and educate women on personal
1: finance. Britton was so helpful and easy to chat with. And like Dr. Becky, she modeled conversations, which I really, really Mm -hmm. loved because that always helps me. When I hear someone else say it, it just seems so simple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She
1: reminded me of Dr. Becky a lot, actually.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Financial doctor. Yeah. (laughs) I loved the conversation and it really reminded me of, with that Dr. Becky connection, so many other connections to all the other topics of health that we've had. So I'm really thrilled to start the financial series off with this episode because of those connections and thinking of all those steps that we can take, you know, just one step at a time, a little goal here and there, talk about it, ask questions. These are all things that we can do for every aspect of our health.
1: Yeah, I just really feel like I've been so thankful for these experts kind of sharing with us how these conversations don't have to be a big deal. You can talk about sexual health in the kitchen (laughs) and you can talk about financial health in the car or, you know, um, you know, in the backyard. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) And so it just makes it I think less awkward for young people too when we're trying to educate them and share ideas with them rather than having like a big talk about anything.
2: I was just thinking of to the the millennial stuff again cuz that keeps coming up, but um, but how a lot of friends I know, we're not afraid of talking about these things and it's so wonderful because I know it can be really hard to talk to friends in other relationships as well, but it's so hard to h- talk about finances, but So many people have been struggling for so long with so many financial aspects of their lives that it's kind of becoming more common. And I think it's important to learn healthy ways to have those conversations, even if it's just, hey, instead of going out to eat, can we do something else instead?
1: Yeah. I mean, and for a young person to spend $100 on a couple drinks and dinner Mm -hmm. every week is really a lot of money. It's expensive to go out. And so finding more creative ways to have fun and enjoy the people that you love benefits everyone. And that's what this whole year has been about.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, finding creative ways
1: to have fun
0: that aren't financially taxing and don't require us to go out and about into restaurants and shows and that we can be really happy and oftentimes more happy by just opening our homes to people that we love and cooking something special for them or making them a cocktail ourselves and making that connection.
2: And we can still treat ourselves once in a while, but being more responsible about those treats is (laughs) always a good idea.
0: Yeah. Support local businesses, but (laughs) 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 on your budget. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, all these financial conversations that we're going to be having throughout this series cover so many perspectives and aspects of financial health. But something that is really important to mention is, is how the financial realm has historically lacked female representation. And we've certainly made strides in this area in recent years, like Britton mentioned, but we have a long way to go. And that's not going to change by just convincing those at the top to
1: make room for women. We need to empower our women to make moves for themselves. Yeah, Sean asked such a great question about how we can support the women in our lives. So financial health has been a journey for me that I've been on for a while. And it stemmed from... I think Scott understanding it and me not and just feeling like he had all these goals and ideas about our future and I didn't even half the time know what he was saying. And so as we've grown, we've met with financial advisors and I subscribed to a financial magazine at one point and look up things on the internet and try to educate myself along the way. It's been a journey for me and I know for a lot of my friends as well, but there are still other people like my children that I want to make sure that they have the knowledge and education much, much earlier. And so we can do that. We can share it with our daughters, with our friends, with our sisters. Um, sometimes with our parents who maybe historically the men in their families have always handled the finances. And so now, for example, your mom might be trying to do that for herself and that might be challenging it's like the um Gilmore Girls episode when Lorelai and her mom are talking about finances and she said she's a kayak <laughs> <laughs> I love it. and uh, the mom's a canoe because two it takes two people to paddle but <laughs> Lorelai is a kayak I yeah. love that what if it's a
2: two-person <laughs> kayak <laughs> yeah. yeah oh no it's kind of
1: like a canoe yeah it's, it's
2: but sportier
1: as <laughs> forty,
0: yeah. Well, that's when you can welcome someone into your kayak, but you don't rely on someone
2: being there. You kayak. go, yeah. You can, ro- <laughs> yes. you can row it by yourself. Yeah. Britain brought up, you know, a really great point that reminded me of, you know, having that information written down and easily accessible to share with your partner in your relationship because you never know what's going to happen. Sometimes, you know, in our case, my dad passed away twenty years ago, and they were able to prepare because it was cancer. And they at least had that time to kind of walk through those steps and have everything in order and set up and put in place so that she was ready to just take over everything um, after he was gone. But, you know, sometimes life throws things our way and we're not prepared. So you never know what tomorrow will bring. So being prepared now is always a good idea.
1: That's such a great point, Sean. And I think that if we can support Our partners to make sure. So you know, I just have it covered, and I assume that. I mean, Scott takes care of so many things, and he helps me with finances for sure. But I know all the passwords. Yeah. And um, (laughs) good luck getting those changed. I, I I didn't even think that maybe I should be making sure that if if even if I were just to get sick and he would need access to something that would make his life so much easier in a really challenging moment.
2: Yeah. I mean, just getting Apple to change our password if we forget it is a hassle. So I can only imagine now that everything's online.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: Not to keep talking about Gilmore Girls, (laughs) but also Emily, the mother, she who's a canoe. Her husband had a heart attack, and then she turned to Lorelai and said, "What do I do if I lose him? He's my whole life. Like I'm, he's in charge of everything, and I'm." know nothing about what's going on. And so, if you're in that position, that could be really scary.
2: Yeah. A random thing, but I used to work with an older woman who, you know, she grew up in an affluent family. Her husband was a doctor, and so she was kind of set. And uh, her husband got very sick, and she actually had me come with her to teach her how to fill her gas tank because she had never done it in her life. And I thought that was, you know, that blew blew my mind at the at that time. And I don't know what my point is there. It's just something to keep in mind. You never know what someone's journey is.
1: Yes, exactly. And that was so nice that you were there to support her. And not to bring up Gilmar <laughs> <laughs> But
2: <laughs> But we met
0: with Mama Sutra in our parenting series to talk about sexual health and those conversations. And Mama Sutra on her website has a test you can take to find out what kind of... TV mom you are <laughs> That's in right.
1: relationship to talking to your kids about sex. <laughs> yeah. And uh Bomb got Lorelai Gilmore.
2: <laughs> I'm going to take it. I need to find out.
1: Yes, take it. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. Um you can go to mamasuture.com to take that. I think I was Lorelai Gilmore and Rainbow Johnson from Blackish. Like they're the yeah. they're similar in approaches. Well, you know what? I didn't mind that. When I think about myself, that's not <laughs> what I want
0: <would> to <laughs> We can so, only dream to yeah. be Rainbow Johnson.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean, just to make it even, do you want to bring up Star Trek?
2: Um, <laughs> well, the Federation is socialist and there is no money, so <laughs> kind of relevant, but not really. <laughs> we could do a whole episode on it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about this financial series. I think this is the perfect way to start off a new year, especially a year coming off of such a difficult year as 2020. And it's the time to really take control of our finances and of our lives and as much as we can, you know, there's so much that we can't control right now. But educating yourself on finances and being in tune with yourself and your health and what you need are things we can do to really kick off this year in a great way. So please, everyone grab a cup of tea and enjoy.
2: Health is harmony. When you're aligned to everything you believe in is when you feel that harmony and you
3: feel peace. Trying to get to the root cause of things. There is just so much to learn. Can you be present in those moments in your life that mean the most?
2: Because health, it's personal.
1: Welcome, Britton. We're so glad you're here. You're a financial advisor and founder of Savvy Her, a resource dedicated to empower and educate women. Your goal is to make the personal finance world less overwhelming, You provide workshops, coaching, online courses, as well as bits of practical wisdom to your engaging Instagram followers, which we totally love. Today, we're going to talk to you about having tough financial conversations and breaking the stigma, which we're all about. Um, But first, would you mind telling us a
3: bit about your motivation behind Savvy Her? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor and pleasure. And you know, anytime that we can discuss personal finance matters, I think it's so important and Truly, why I looked to create SavvyHer, it just kind of came out of necessity. So as you mentioned, I am a financial advisor, but you know, the more I was meeting with so many of my female clients, they were asking me for resources and tips and really ways that they can kind of better engage and, and learn more about the industry. Um, and it occurred to me there really wasn't a great resource I can point them to. I mean, there's, there's certainly any number of resources available out there, but nothing that they felt really spoke to them. And um, I have a background in in writing and in kind of uh, marketing as well. So I thought, well, let's start creating content written for them in their authentic voice. And that's kind of how her began. And now essentially what we look to do is really continue that journey and helping women really understand different practical things that they can implement in their daily lives to be more financially savvy um, and really empower them so that they have confidence to continue asking questions and being part of that conversation.
1: I love that so much because it is true. There's like a certain way that many of us like to consume materials or a way Mm -hmm. that (laughs) something's presented that speaks to us. And oftentimes in the financial world, it's not, right?
3: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because in the financial industry, it's just so male dominated. It's the way that it has historically been. Um, So there's just not a lot of content that's necessarily geared towards women who do want to learn this material. And if you think about it, you know, the last 30 years, we've made tremendous progress with women studying this or attending college and serving on the boards of major companies. But previously, it wasn't such, you know, an open topic. So we're just now beginning to scratch the surface, I believe, in preparing content that is written for women. Um, And I should say it's, it's not dumbed down. It's just geared towards women in a way that they can understand that talks about matters that are important to them.
1: Yes, for sure. That's so great and so important. This is a new year with new financial challenges. And we thought this would be a great time to talk about tough conversations involving finances. What would you say to those starting off the new year with all the new challenges we face in addition to an inflated credit card from the holidays or their bank accounts drained from the stress of the previous year?
3: You're right. It's such a difficult time. You know, it's the start of the new year, which is always very exciting and a great time to get things started. But a lot of people potentially are looking at their credit card bills from the holidays and feeling a little bit strapped at the moment. So, you know, now I always tell clients, it goes back to really starting with your budget. This way you can kind of spend with intention and be very deliberate throughout this year and also recognize that you have, call it, 10 or 11 months until you have to start, you know, spending for the holidays again this coming year. So now is was a really great chance to kind of take a step back, you know, and hit the reset button more or less and, and take a look at where you've been and where you want to go um, and recognize that everybody has their challenges. And, you know, personal finance is exactly that. It's very personal. So I, I always tell people, too, at the start of the new year take a little break from, you know, comparing yourself to your neighbor or looking at social media and thinking everybody has it together. We're all trying to look through, you know, our past and really make sense of where we're going in the future.
2: That's a great point.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It's so important to think in advance of all those
1: challenges we might face. Or like you said, we have 10 or 11 months before the holiday comes back around, but inevitably it catches us off guard, right?
3: Right. And, you know, I encourage a lot of our clients to take a look at some of those things that they know they're going to be routinely spending money on um, and kind of building and setting aside money throughout the year leading up to that event. So whether it's the holiday spending or whether it's birthdays or maybe you have some travel plans, you can always kind of take a step back and say, okay, what would I need to be able to save between now and that event in order to make it so I can afford it without having to use my credit card? And certainly using your credit card is is a great option, but if you have to put all of your spending on your credit card, you're gonna be paying a lot of interest on the back end if you can't make that purchase in full or pay it down in full. So now is really a great chance to take that step back and and make sure that you're thinking through what you might need, you know, next year. So, you know, call it a year from now, you don't feel like you're looking at your credit card bill and, and you're, you know, potentially scared of the result.
2: I love that because you're looking at that budget all year round, not just right now or around the holidays. That's a really good reminder.
3: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, you know, our clients look at it monthly and I personally look at my budget monthly because it's really a great way to stay grounded and stay intentional with your goals. And also it's a fantastic way to course correct behavior in real time. You know, if you let months or, or maybe even, you know, only check in in the middle of the year, you may be missing opportunities to fix things that might be minor tweaks, Um, But if you let them kind of go unnoticed, it can make for a bigger surprise mid-year that you may not want.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where we feel so afraid of it sometimes that we don't want to look in our bank account and when really the solution lies within our bank account and bank statements.
3: Oh, you're so right. You're 100% right. And I've heard that before from individuals who maybe don't want to use certain budgeting apps because they don't really like seeing... Negative balances or the red print, or something that kind of that red color kind of scares them a bit. And I always say, then you know, find a method that works for you. You can certainly use a spreadsheet or an app or whatever works for you. And keep in mind that budgeting doesn't have to necessarily be limiting, it can actually be quite freeing if you, you know, kind of decide that you're in charge. So you're going to be the one to determine where your money's going and how you're spending it. And, uh, Keep in mind also, it's not an all or nothing thing. If you fall off the bike, you hop back on. You know, there's some months that are better than others, but just be patient with yourself and give yourself grace to kind of establish those good habits.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And yeah, just be kind to yourself and patient and it's all about your mindset too. That's really great advice. Also, like you mentioned, there is historically a lack of female representation in finance, and you are passionate about your belief that women deserve to feel financially confident and that financial literacy is a critical component to lifelong success. So how do these ideas relate to confident communication as well as education?
3: You know, you're spot on. It's financial literacy is so important. And it's really not something that's widely taught in schools at at any level, really. So that's part of our mission is to help women understand that this is something they can and should learn about. Um, And really by asking questions, just by starting to really look at your situation and ask, you know, if you have a question, go ahead and ask. And if you want to learn more, dedicate a few minutes a week just to learning more about these topics or asking those questions. That's incredibly important to help women, A- you know, feel confident and B, also help them take control so that debt isn't controlling you or so that ultimately you have options, you know, options if you want to be running your household finances or options if you want to upgrade or downgrade your lifestyle or choose a different career path or, you know, let's say you want to be a stay-at-home mom or think about raising kids, having kind of that financial literacy backbone or that understanding of what you might want to do to set yourself up for success is so, so important.
1: Yeah, I love that so much. You were saying that this isn't always taught in schools. And that's where we get our power, right, is through the education. So how do we talk to young men and women about finances, the people that we love, the ones that live in our house, the ones that we teach, um, so that they can be more financially savvy?
3: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not always something that's communicated or taught in schools. And while I think, You know, there's definitely progress that's being made, and I know that's a focus area for you know the government and in looking through the educational um, sector. I think what you said is important that it starts at home. It starts with having conversations with the ones that live in your house or the ones that you share a room with or share an apartment. It starts with kind of thinking how can we make ourselves better. You know, we do that for other aspects of our lives, certainly our health, our mental health, physical health, and our careers, but we kind of have to think about the financial health part of that too, is it something that as a family, you can commit to learning more about or in your relationship, opening up that line of communication so that it's no longer something that's overly taboo of a topic. I think that's where it really starts. And I can't tell you how often I'll meet with an individual, particularly a woman who will say, before they say anything else, will instantly apologize for not knowing what they're about to ask. And that's really a shame, I think, because there's no reason it's not their fault. You know, if you didn't grow up learning these things or if it wasn't widely discussed in your environment, then how would you know some of these things? So I always tell individuals, it doesn't matter where you came from. It matters that you're here now and creating a path forward for the future.
1: Absolutely. I love that. My son just, he's a teenager and he just got his first bank account and we haven't started talking with him about it yet but we're planning to on a monthly basis but mostly our conversations you know go around like will you Venmo me the ten dollars for ever?" <laughs> and I'm just like okay I don't think this is the healthiest
3: conversation about money we need to dig a little deeper
2: money please yeah <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah I mean what teenager hasn't been in that sp- that you know position and I think. As a parent, that can be hard. How do we teach them how to manage their own little budget and kind of think through that? So I think it's like anything else. You just start with baby steps. So I envision, you know, you can have that conversation with your son where you sit there and say, "Okay, you know, what would you like to be spending each month and how can we afford that and break that down? And, um, you know, when you kind of make it more digestible and, and bite size, all of these different types of learnings, I find that most kids are more receptive to that kind of thing. I love that. I'm excited to
1: try it. And I feel excited too that I have the opportunity to start him right out the gate, thinking about his finances on a regular basis.
3: Yeah. You know, the exciting thing is, you know, generally the way that investing works or really finance in general is, you know, the more prudent or thoughtful you can be at an earlier or younger age, you know, the more that you have this potential to really benefit from that in the long run. So I think a lot of kids might think about this and think, well, Why do I even need to bother with this? I have many other things on my plate. I have high school, I have college. And then, gosh, retirement doesn't even feel attainable at this point. Um, But I think it's kind of helpful for us as educators and as parents to kind of sit there and say, you know, yes, that may seem so far down the line, but your future self will be so glad you spent these five minutes this week talking about this, or maybe 10 minutes next week. It doesn't have to be too much. Just break it up into little, you know, maybe it's half hour conversations throughout the week you're just having about this. And Um, Most kids then tend to be a little bit more receptive. And keep in mind, too, that visuals can be very helpful. So there's always things on the internet and videos and different types of things that you can show them to say, hey, if we started now, imagine what we could grow this into. That's great advice.
2: You know, there's a lot of younger people out there right now, especially seeing the way that the world is. And on top of all those other stresses, they might be seeing, you know, things like what's the point or... What, what are my hopes for that secure future financially? And do you have any thoughts or advice on that point?
3: Yeah, I think you're right, Sean. I think so many people are potentially feeling disheartened or discouraged looking at kind of our world. And, you know, you look at the student loan environment, the debt environment, there's so many different types of things you can focus on and, and feel kind of overwhelmed by. But my advice for most people in looking at the situation is take a deep breath and take a step back. You know, it's important to kind of I guess, focus on what's right in front of you and what you can control, there's always going to be new things politically or different types of events that are going to kind of, you know, maybe throw your your plan a little bit off kilter. But if we start with, okay, what can I do on a daily basis to improve myself financially? And then that translates into what can I do to set myself up multiple years from now, um, you know, to be benefiting substantially, then that's, you know, really an important thing to think about. And like you said, Sean, you know, it is, a lot of this can be kind of concerning. And I, one other point that I would make is be very mindful that what you see exhibited by your neighbors or, you know, by your classmates or via social media tends to just be kind of a highlight reel of those individuals' mm-hmm. lives, you know? And so I, I truly, I, I usually get laughs when I say this because most people don't re- realize, but you never see posts about somebody's, you know, credit card statement, <laughs> or yeah. how much debt they have. You'll see yeah. their brand new car. Or you'll see the vacation that they're on or this fabulous award that they've won, but they don't show you on a random Tuesday, them checking their mail and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not really sure how I'm going to make that bill payment this month. So you know, everybody has different financial priorities, different things that they're focusing on. So it's just so important in light of all of the turmoil and things that are changing around us to take that step back and just focus on what you can control and ultimately recognize that money is a great thing, but it's not everything.
2: That's wonderful. Thank you for that. That was so helpful. And uh it got me thinking too. Whenever you see someone with that fancy new car, I've always jumped to, well, imagine the bill <laughs> that
3: they Oh get. goodness. Well, see, I I'll take that a step further. When I see that, I think, imagine what that could grow to if instead yeah. of making that monthly payment, you put that in an investment. You know, it's just it's a different type of calculation, right?
2: Yeah, really. Because just looking at an affordable car payment is already astronomical to me. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and you know, for some people, maybe their car is the thing that they really prioritize, and you know, for others, it's it's something different. So, I just I think it's on us kind of to think and prioritize what matters to us, but recognize that there's an opportunity cost or a trade off with some of those decisions. So, I can't tell you how often I'll have somebody say, "Gosh, I don't even know how to invest or find money to invest," but yet they'll talk about the fact that it's really important to them that they you know have a new clothing uh, or a certain amount of their money in their budget for clothing or dining out or some of those other kind of uh, flexible or kind of negotiable expenses. And when we take a step back and I say, well, what if we even, even if you were to just put a little bit of money each month into an investment, certain type of vehicle or whatever that looks like, imagine what that could grow to instead of just being something that ends up as, you know, a sunk cost already in your closet, for example, a purse or jeans or shoes or things that don't necessarily appreciate in value.
0: Hey there, we just wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of you who have listened, shared, engaged, and sent us love. It means the world to know that we've had the chance to spread even just a little bit of knowledge, insight, and encouragement to you along your health journeys.
2: If you'd like to support the work we're doing, we've created a Patreon page where you can earn some exciting rewards because being a part of the HIP team isn't just a hobby, it's a lifestyle.
1: Contributions start as low as $1 a month with each level offering a number of super fun perks like monthly bonus episodes, Q&As, a portrait drawn by our own in-house artist, and even personal chats with the Health It's Personal team. We created this podcast so that everyone can have the chance to access informative,
0: inspirational, and insightful stories and your support is a huge step in us reaching those who need it most. We wish we could give you all a big hug, but hopefully this will suffice, at least until we're allowed to hug again.
2: If you love what you hear or are as passionate about health as we are, please visit patreon.com slash the hip podcast. That's patreon.com forward slash the HIP podcast. We couldn't do this without you, so thank you again, and thanks in advance for joining our ever-growing HIP family.
0: And like you were saying, this is still a topic that's widely still taboo. And it's hard to have a conversation about these things. But what's going to have our young people have the mindset that you're talking about, is to be really open and have a five minute conversation here or there. In a lot of other episodes, we've talked so much about how, you know, with something like sexual health, it can be so awkward to talk about. But if some if you're, child or your family member asks you a question, and you know the answer, and you can have like a quick chat about it, then just have that conversation right there. It doesn't need to be a big sit down, talk all the time, because then it feels really daunting.
3: Absolutely. It doesn't have to be something formalized. I think, you know, even if your child or partner or you know family member asks you a question, and neither of you know the answer, well, then the takeaway is let's find out let's ask yeah. let's look <laughs> online let's see what resources we can find and i think the biggest thing is just making it a conversation topic you know certainly there are topics like you mentioned that can feel a little bit diff- more difficult to approach and money is one of those but i would argue that if you just start making it a minor part of your conversation each day or each week then it becomes something that's you're less afraid to discuss it becomes something you're more familiar with and it's like you know, any type of muscle when you use it, it's definitely more um, like something that if you spend time and attention developing, you'll have that skill. So I would say, you know, with regard to communication, aim for open continuous dialogue and try to keep the conversations lighthearted and distraction free. If you can, you know, try to make it so that it's more enjoyable to discuss rather than a very personal formalized meeting. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's sit down and talk about your finances. Right. Have Seven dollars in the bank right now. What are your what are your plans for it?
3: Yes. <laughs> Instead, you know, you could potentially say, Hey, let's go to the library and let's find some, you know, resources or tools that can kind of help us. Because I noticed you have $7 in your bank account and let's find a way to make that grow. Let's commit to some behaviors that can really make something meaningful out of that out of that amount of money. You know, it's just being more solutions oriented and more open-minded is a lot better way to have the conversation than to say, What have you been doing with your money? There's only $7 in your bank account. How did that happen? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. And we want to ask you more about kind of how to have those conversations and your advice on that. But um, first, I want to ask you so, you know, sometimes taking the first step toward a more secure future is having the confidence to do so. How do we find that empowerment within ourselves so that we can take control of our finances and avoid burying our heads?
3: Ooh, this is such a good one. I think that, you know, it's so important for anyone really to determine that they're worth it, right? That this is something that they can learn. And I think I'm encouraged by all the content that I see and all the resources that are available either in the bookstore, in the library, online, um, in the form of, you know, educational tools or articles. Really, you know, if you want to learn these things, it you can, certainly can. I mean, there's never been a better time to have these types of tools readily available at your fingertips. But ultimately, you have to make that decision that you are worth it, which everyone is. And like I've said before, no matter what your background is, whether you came from an affluent family or potentially a different situation, you ultimately get control over your future. And so it just starts with saying, hey, I can do that. I can learn that. I know nothing about it now, but I will. And you know, you just break it into small, actionable, kind of bite-sized pieces to start. Yeah, one step at a time. Absolutely.
2: You mentioned earlier our relationships. Um, so how might... Any partner support the person who is, you know, ultimately responsible for home finances, no matter who it is. Um, so, you know, just thinking of, you know, if we're having those conversations in our household, how can we support one another, even if we're not the, I guess, the one in charge?
3: Yeah. No, this is such a good question, and it very much, you know, it depends on what your family situation is. But in most cases, women are actually in control of the household spending and budget and finances. And the men tend to handle more of the, you know, insurance, investments, retirement planning, kind of those kind of bills and whatnot. But I think it's just a matter of supporting somebody the way that you would support them in any endeavor. You know, not looking at money as anything different. If your spouse or partner or family member were to decide to get physically fit or to run a race or to do something like that, you would definitely support them and say, hey, you know, good luck with your training. And you're there with them on the journey to hold them accountable, but also to encourage them and ask them um, what you can be doing to support them. So I think it's the same thing. If you have your partner that's routinely paying the bills or crunching the numbers, it can be really nice if you just said, hey, you know, I appreciate you doing that. Would you mind filling me in? I'd love to just kind of talk about this with you, but I love that you do this. And I know that you spend time and you take effort to, you know, actually help our family with the finances. And that doesn't go unnoticed. You know, just sometimes acknowledgement and recognition can really open the gates for more continuous conversation. And then you'll find that you're more lockstep with having those kinds of conversations about topics like this.
2: I love that because it is a lot of work. It's a, it's a hard job to be in control (laughs) of that. (laughs) Got to show that appreciation.
3: (laughs) Right. I think it's funny too, because, you know, oftentimes I think couples don't even realize what the other partner is contributing in some way, because you tend to be very focused on the tasks that you have on your to-do list. So, you know, if you think about it, like a lot of moms, for example, are very in tune with their, you know, children's school schedules and activities and planning lunches and thinking about friends and, and all of those types of things. And, you know, it's important. I'm sure the other parent is thinking about that as well, but it's when you take a moment to step back and say, hey, I see you, I acknowledge what you're doing. Let's talk more about that then the chances are good that they'll reciprocate. And then there's ways for you to both kind of have those conversations.
2: More specifically, how might we be able to support the women in our lives to become more confident in kind of, you know, owning that and being like, yeah, I'm in charge of this and I'm doing an awesome job.
3: Oh, good one. I I love that because I'm very much obviously in support of women who want to, you know, learn more about this and and kind of helping them get there. Um, I think it's a matter of involving them in the conversation and making it a judgment-free zone. You know, so many women will say to me, gosh, if something happened to my spouse or partner, I have no idea where anything is. I don't know our account numbers, I don't know where anything would be for tax purposes or whatnot. So I would say if you're if you're in the other shoe, if you're in the other situation, involve your spouse or talk to her about this and bring her in on the conversation without making her feel like she's, you know, ill-equipped to have the conversation. You know, you can both sit down and take the approach of, you know, we could always be better at this. I certainly don't know everything. You don't know everything. What should we both prioritize learning together? You know, make it kind of something you can both work on instead of saying, hey, this is what I've been doing. Do you want to know the account numbers? You know, make it more of kind of something you can collaborate on. And keep in mind too, not every single female wants to in be involved in the household finances. And if you don't, that's okay, believe me. I I'm understanding of the fact that it's it's not necessarily everybody's favorite topic or area, but at least it should be something that if you wanted to learn more about that there's kind of an open, you know, forum for, you know, an approach to having that.
1: So there's kind of like an empowerment in knowing and understanding even if you're not involved, knowing that if something happened to my partner or you know, that you would be able to take over and understand.
3: Yeah, I, I think that with knowledge comes power. And so if you are somebody that maybe knows nothing about your finances, it's not that you have to learn everything overnight and all of a sudden tomorrow be your household expert on it. It just could be something simple as, okay, if something were to happen and if I do want to learn, here's where I'd go. Here's the person I talk to. Here's where our accounts are listed or where we have accounts or, you know, just kind of doing like a little small mini audit of of your situation, just day by day, trying to figure out a little bit more, um, could be very helpful and help you sleep better at night knowing, okay, worst case scenario, I can get through this. I can figure it out. I may not need, you know, I may not know everything, but as long as I'm connected to the right people or kind of know what I don't know then I can get this done.
2: I love that. Be prepared. Yes. (laughs) Even if you're not.
3: (laughs) Half the battle is just knowing that you're unprepared and kind of recognizing, okay, what would I do? How do I want to think through that if that were to happen? It's, you know, I kind of say this, A little tongue-in-cheek, but ignorance is just not bliss in the financial world. It's just not. So many things are, but not not in this space. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. (laughs) Well, I'm the one that
1: handles the finances in my house. And my husband is involved for sure and understands it probably way better than I do. You made me think about how nice it would be if I had something written down with all of the passwords and all of the
3: um, account numbers, just to make life easier on him in case he ever needed it. Yeah, it's you know just taking even if you just said, okay, this week I'm gonna set aside 30 minutes. I'm gonna pour myself my favorite cup of coffee or whatever that is, and sit there and say, I'm gonna just write down all of these account numbers. You know who's what the institution is, what the account is, who's maybe my representative or email contact there. You will feel so impressed by what you just did, and it may not even take you that long, but it'll serve you very well. at just having a document that you can kind of, you know, update is is somewhat of like a one stop shop for your financial documents.
2: Not with finances, but with other topics in the house, I have a document where I'll add to it, even you know, one thing at a time, just while I'm thinking of it. Like I better add that before I stop thinking about it. So you could even do that. I, th- I think, yeah, it's a really great idea.
3: Yeah, I, I think something you said, Sean, is really. Kind of been helpful for me. And I know a lot of people do this. They say if you have something that you know won't take you longer than five minutes, instead of putting it off and adding it to your to do list, just tackle it right in that moment. It will free your mind later on to know that you've taken care of that. And, you know, certainly if it's a task that's going to take you longer, okay, you may need to budget your time accordingly. But some of those very small things, you know, whether it's as simple as bringing the laundry down or checking your account balance or just something very quick in the moment, you may as well just get it done. You'll feel proud of yourself chances are good you'll also build some momentum and maybe want to tackle more things on your to-do list, but tiny bite-sized bits of productivity are still productivity.
2: Absolutely. It's great for people with ADHD like me too. (laughs) (laughs) It feels really good too. Yes. So you also write and share a lot of information about communication between specifically romantic partners. Why is this dynamic particularly challenging for people?
3: Oh, I think money is so challenging. It's one of the, um, Unfortunately, one of the biggest reasons that couples don't see long-term success or fulfillment is because it can kind of, you know, your life circumstances really revolve around making decisions with money. But ironically enough, most partners don't want to talk about it because it can feel a little shameful. It can feel like you're judging your spouse or partner about how they're spending their time, their money, and what their priorities are. Yeah, it can be kind of a sticky taboo topic, but certainly one you can kind of work around.
2: Yeah, and you've given us already a ton of tips for how we might get that started, too. What other relationships or connections that we may be a part of would you see as good opportunities to open up communication about finances as well?
3: Yeah, I think this is so important because, you know, if you think about it, your daily relationship with your roommate, if you have a roommate or even your friend group, it's really important that, you know, if you're prioritizing your finances or you're thinking about those things, that you loop in those people that are kind of, you know, key stakeholders in your life. and so. If you live with someone where you're sharing the bills and the responsibility for, you know, your apartment or condo or whatever that looks like, then it's definitely important to have a conversation about how that's working for the two of you. And I would also say if if you, you know, decide that you want to prote- prioritize a certain aspect of your life financially, then definitely have that conversation with your friends so they can support you on that and potentially then, you know, still include you in activities or look for activities that potentially are more friendly for your budget. I think a lot of people feel very intimidated by the idea of telling their friends, "Hey, you know what? I got to cut back a little bit on X, Y, or Z." So, you don't want to have that conversation though because you don't want to be left out. Um, or, yeah, you know, yeah. made to feel bad. But that's where I I really, I'll tell you, most people have debt. Most people have, you know, loans to their name. Most people have ways that they want to improve. So sometimes it just takes that one in the friend group to say, "Hey guys, I don't know anybody's situation, but for me this is really important." So Maybe we can go for a walk instead of, or meet for coffee instead of drinks, or maybe we can decide to do happy hour instead of the full price entrees at at dinner, or just making some small suggestions and really leading that charge um, can be really great. And most of the time, your friend group will probably then turn around and take a look at their situation and possibly even, you know, see if there's ways that they need to improve. But even if they don't, they should then support you on your mission to better yourself.
1: Yeah, same thing. Like we're going on a family vacation or friend vacation and just assuming that everyone's able to do it.
3: Oh, yeah. Especially, you know, if you think about like being a family member and everybody wants to pitch in to do something, to buy a gift or to rent a house or take a vacation or whatever that looks like, you know, definitely there's something empowering about kind of owning your situation and being forthcoming about it. You know, if your family members don't know potentially, That you're prioritizing this, then they may not realize that they are either, you know, sabotaging your efforts or not directly supporting them. So you don't have to involve them in the nuances or the nitty gritty details, but you can just simply say, Hey, you know, if we're all planning on having traveling here this year, I'd love to be part of that conversation to find a way that it can work for us. Yeah, that's a great idea.
2: In general with any of our relationships or conversations that we're having, do you have any more I mean you've already shared so many amazing tips, but um, <laughs> do you have any like quick fast tips of do's and don'ts for when we're having any of those conversations?
3: I do. Yeah, I think it's important to kind of, you know, for whoever's listening to this conversation recognize that you know, even just implementing a few tips can be very helpful. So to that end, you know, something that's a do is to definitely aim for open continuous dialogue, you know, aim to kind of make these conversations fun. And if, if it's difficult to kind of broach these subjects, I would say, start by phrasing the question with like, what if this were to happen? What if we were to change homes? Or what if I were to change careers? Or what if we were to consider a different school system for our kids or invest accordingly? Kind of just open it up in terms of no pressure, but what if? It can allow the conversation to kind of flow that way. So definitely do aim for, you know, continuous dialogue. I would say in terms of a don't, don't hold secrets. You know, ignorance, like I said, is not bliss in this space. And if you are afraid to talk to your spouse about something, most of the time it, it kind of can come back and really negatively impact your relationship. So don't hold any secrets. You know, definitely be truthful about the things that, you know, are important to share. Um another few things to do though do put yourself in the other's shoe for a day you know think about their situation and maybe their concerns or their realities because you know ultimately you might have your perspective but not, might not be viewing it from their side so that's always really helpful and when working together you know it's really really helpful that you set realistic goals together and create that path forward together you know kind of meet in the middle and compromise if you need to but you both should feel like you're key stakeholders at that table making that decision. Uh, You know, on the other hand, some things not to do, don't be afraid to speak up or disagree. If you do disagree, you know, there's not necessarily one right path to take. It's important that you arrive there together, but if you do feel differently, or perhaps your circumstances might lend you to, you know, support one conclusion over another, then don't be afraid to speak up. And also don't be afraid to ask for help. Nobody can do anything or everything in life, but you know, you can do anything, right? So take a step back and say, do we need help to support us on this? Should we be consulting with a professional or, you know, or should we kind of ask somebody if we don't know the answer here?
1: Yeah, there's so many professional people that know so much more than just the average person, right? And so they might be able to find things to help your everyday situation that you might not find on your own.
3: Right, or you know, ask a, a friend or trusted colleague if they have a suggestion as well. You know, if if you know somebody that's recently refinanced their mortgage, for example, or are sending kids to college, maybe there's an opportunity to say, "Hey, you know, we don't know very much about this, but we're interested. Would you mind just sharing your experience?" There's always ways to grow and learn, and then if you decide that's important, take that next step and either meet with somebody who can professionally provide assistance or you can kind of, you know, start navigating that on your own if you feel comfortable.
0: Well, and you have courses and workbooks too, to help with financial um, learning and your wonderful business, Savvy Her. Can you tell us a bit about that and
3: kind of who those might be good for? Yeah, great question. So we created online courses about personal finance, about investing, and also about budgeting. Um, Really, because those are the areas that we get the most questions about. And these courses are really designed to help anybody. You know, we say kind of the every woman. That way, you know, you don't have to have any sort of, you know, knowledge in advance or have taken any other courses or anything to understand what we're talking about. We designed them, you know, with your busy schedule in mind. So that way you don't have to drive to a physical location. You don't have to remember to pack snacks or your notebook or anything like that. Everything's right there on online on your computer. Um, And each of the different courses comes with a a workbook that you can download to really reinforce concepts and to help you understand kind of what we're going through. So what we're discussing. Um, so all of those things are available on our website. In addition to a lot of content that's just free on our blog and also on our um, social media channels to really help you kind of learn more about these different aspects of of either the investment industry, financial industry, or just personal finance in general.
1: I love how generous you are with all the, of your information. It's really it's really nice that someone can go and find out the answers and not feel like that's going to be another financial burden.
3: Yeah, you know that's one of the reasons why we actually, you know, do what we do. We don't want costs to be kind of prohibitive there and in, in preventing individuals from bettering themselves. You know, if you want to really learn this, if you want to lo- you know, better yourself in this way, we want to make it available for you to do so. And you know, obviously, our our content that's social media based or on our website is really designed to kind of whet your ha- appetite and help you recognize that you can learn these things. Um, and then the courses are there to kind of take it that next step further. If you want to kind of have a kind of broader and even deeper understanding of certain things.
0: Britton, this has been so amazing. You have so much practical wisdom for us that I'm so excited to implement and really think about. And um, I'm excited to be able to have some productive conversations.
3: Yeah. You know, this has been such a pleasure. I really enjoy talking about these topics and I'm so grateful that your community is also looking to kind of continue the the message about how important it is to take ownership of your financial future and empower yourself to do that. And, I would say for anybody who's listening, parting words of wisdom would just be just get started. You know, imagine a a year ago from today, right? Looking back and saying, gosh, I'm so glad I I took action when I did. Instead, if you don't, you'll be sitting there thinking, gosh, what would have happened if I had only just set aside a few moments here or there to really get started and learn and recognize that anybody can take initiative and, and take, you know, action to learn. It doesn't have to be something that's only available to the select few, or maybe that's provided by your employer. It's something that you can definitely do within the confines of your own house.
0: Amazing. And then we also, we love to ask our guests, what are you reading or listening to right now that inspires you or lifts your
3: spirits? Oh, I love that. I follow an account on Instagram called the Good News Movement, I believe is what it's called. I I really love just reading. There's so much negativity out there in the news outlets and the media and unfortunately, you know, political spectrum. So it's just really nice sometimes to watch good stories. That's something that to lift my spirits anyhow. That's something our team is looking at is all of the different, really great stories of people helping one another out, whether it's uh, lending a hand in a certain way or even just something funny, something lighthearted. So definitely looking at that. And then I'm also always trying to better myself and learn things. So I'm constantly scouring the internet and following others who are doing great jobs, sharing the message about personal finance and trying to learn more, you know, as much as I can as well. Really cool. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited about that account. Yeah. It's a fun one. I think you'll enjoy it. It's, I, I'm not sure how they get all of, you know, the submissions of, or how they decide what to post, but it's usually something I start my day with is just see kind of what good news they shared that morning.
2: Add it to your morning ritual. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
3: Yeah, we
0: all need to start off our mornings with some positivity before we tackle the days.
3: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's what works for me anyhow. So that's awesome. Oh,
0: well, Britton, this has been such a pleasure. We've enjoyed so much having you on our podcast.
3: Thanks again for having me. I really appreciate, you know, all the work that you're doing with regard to having these tough conversations and making, you know, all of this more personal. So thanks again for having me. It's been a true honor to join you guys today.
2: Thanks. We appreciate the work you're Absolutely. doing
3: too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have the best
1: day and thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks all of you. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank okay.
2: you. Bye-bye. Take care.
1: Bye.
0: Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Health It's Personal. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts for bonus episodes and new releases every Wednesday. The Health It's Personal podcast is produced by me, McKenna Udi, and hosted with the Phronesis Health Initiative team, Karen Jively and Sean Tingle. Special thanks to portrait artist Alexander, musical contributor Bernie Ramke, and to our guests and experts for their kindness and bravery in sharing their stories each week. Please
1: listen, subscribe, engage, and send us topics we can explore that would help you on your journey.
2: Because health,
3: it's personal.